Good evening, everyone. We welcome you to our tribe session this evening. Uh, join us for the first time today in a session like this in tribe. We want to say a special welcome to you. Um, this is a, a teaching, a, an interactive session, and we employ everyone to please participate where and when necessary. Um, I hope everyone has the outline. Everybody has the outline. If you don't have the outline, please put up your hand so that one of the ushers will give it to you. Um, if you also need a tribe folder for storing these invaluable documents, the resource stand will help you with one. So tonight, we are going to be talking about um, priests, something that is very pertinent to the body of Christ as it is. We're going to be talking about priests. We, join, we welcome our online community. We know you are there. You're faithful. And God, who rewards faithfulness, will reward you in Jesus' name. And we pray that there will be no distractions. The connectivity will be strengthened and you would receive all that we receive tonight in Jesus' name. So, Father, we just thank you. We pray for unction. I ask in the name of Jesus that you will fill my tongue with wise words, that I will speak that word that will raise up the weary ones. Lord, let it be none of me and all of you. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Amen. So, we're talking about priests. Um, the priests, the etymology of priests is very, very bulky. I tried to... Um, think of a way I could shrink it, but I realized that <laughs> I don't think I'm qualified for that yet. So maybe someday, pastor will teach us more about priests and he would give us the, the full origin and the um, etymology of, of priests. I think that itself is a whole series. So I will skip the etymology and we'll focus on the objective of this teaching. And the objective of this teaching actually is to get us, you know, to consecrate ourselves for effective communion with God and to activate our rights and the commission God has given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So the objective of this teaching is to help us consecrate ourselves. If you're not consecrated before, the Lord will help you today because you are among the anointed ones, you'll be consecrated in Jesus' name. And if you already have learned how to consecrate yourself and maybe you had a blemish, the Lord will help you go back to your roots even tonight in Jesus' name. And for those of us that are already consecrated and walking in our consecration, I pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord will help you activate your entire rights for the commission he has given to you as a Christian in Jesus' name. So priests, what are priests or who are priests? The priest is actually derived from, uh, I'll just take a brief of the origin, derived from the Hebrew word kohen, derived from the Greek word hieros and the Latin word secados. These words, and also the Latin word has two variants, secados and presbyter. These words actually have, they denote different meanings when it comes to priests, talking about priests. So it, it tells us, the, those words tells us that the priest is an elder, can be referred to as an elder, a priest can be referred to as a minister, a priest can be referred to as a mediator. A priest is a minister of, I'm, we're not writing yet, you know, there's a, there's a part where um, we, we fill out the outline. I'm not telling you about, the, I'm just trying to give you 
we're trying to introduce the, the topic so we are all on the same page. So, I, I mean, a presbyter is someone who presides or plays the role of a mediator. The priest is also a prince, can be said to be, you know, a prince, and the priest is also said to be a servant. So all these words together denote one thing. All of them are servicemen unto the Father. So for this teaching, we will define priest now. If you are writing, you can begin to write. A priest is one who is duly authorized minister, one who is duly authorized to minister in sacred things. A priest is one who is duly authorized to minister in sacred things. A priest has the responsibility of offering sacrifices upon a sacred altar. So they're filling out the, the, on, the on lines. A priest has the responsibility of offering sacrifices upon a sacred altar. A priest also acts, like from the definition, as a mediator, a mediator between God and men. A priest acts as a mediator between God and men. So please note that in talking about priests tonight, we're not going to be gender specific. So for the ladies in the house, our mommies and our sisters, please don't be offended when you don't hear me call priestess. Don't be offended. You are a priest. Say amen. You don't believe it? Okay. If you don't, if you don't totally believe it, at the end of this teaching by God's grace, you believe who you are and you will take authority of who you are. So we will not be using priestess and priests, you know, intermittently. We'll just focus on the word priests. And the office of the priest is known as the priesthood. So the one who occupies the office of the priest is known as the priest, and is calling his office is known as the priesthood. A priest must identify between God and men. If you're writing, fill out that blank, please. A priest must identify between God and men. So the Old Testament, Old Testament priests were mediators amongst many other things. They, they would usually would kill animals, sprinkle the blood, offer sacrifices, hear from God, come back, tell the people of God what God was saying. And their aim of meditation was to restore, their major aim of meditation was to restore communion between God and men. Because God had in mind a particular kind of relationship he wanted to have with man. But as we all know, Adam lost that authority to the devil. And God, since that time, until the time of Jesus, did everything to try and restore that relationship, to cause man 
to be everything he created man to be. So God, at some point, if you read the Bible closely, you see that even Cain could offer a sacrifice to God. That means Cain actually could attend to the office of a priest. Same as Abel. Abel offered his own sacrifice. God accepted it. Cain offered the sacrifice. But perhaps because there's already a breach and he didn't know the protocols to follow, he failed and God rejected it. Read the Bible again. You see someone like Noah. Noah offered the sacrifice after the flood when he came out. He offered the sacrifice. So you could actually say Noah actually performed as a priest. Many other people in the scripture. Abraham. Abraham was actually going to put his own son on the altar as a sacrifice. So I could call Abraham also a priest. So for us to really understand the effectiveness of, of the priesthood, sorry, we, we need to understand that our God in himself is a very holy God. So God, yes, would allow man come into his presence, but man had barriers that would make him not thrive in God's presence. So fast forward, after talking about all these people to the time of Moses, I guess God was like, you know what, I'm fed up all this. I'm going to actually give these people the right protocols of which they can come into my presence. So that's why you hear about the, the priest, even after Moses gave his brother Aaron the protocols of coming to heaven, you hear that the priest, even when they go into God's presence, they still need to tie a string to their legs because our God is so holy. And who knows, if your flesh is stinking, at the time you come into his presence, he might as well just whack you. And no one can actually survive, really, the judgment of God. If God was to judge by his righteous standard, who can stand? Hebrews 7, verse 27, the NLT, it says... Unlike those other high priests, he, Christ, does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this, that's the high priest did this for their own sins first, and then for the sins of people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. So again, talking about the effectiveness of the priesthood, you see that priests at that time were still even ineffective because before they could even offer sacrifices, let's say this were Israelites, before they could offer sacrifices for us, they first need to offer sacrifice for themselves. Sprinkle the blood on themselves, you know, like you know, purify themselves before they go into the presence of God so that God will not, so to speak, whack them. But Jesus didn't need to do that because the Bible says that Jesus was without sin. So Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Hallelujah. So Jesus is that high priest. The high priest who has offered the most important sacrifice on the highest altar ever made, and that's the altar of Calvary. So really, Jesus has done it all. Hallelujah. Jesus has done it all. Hallelujah. That's something to really be excited about. Before we talk further about what Jesus has done, and what we enjoy, because I know that we like that part when you know, God, blessings of God is the most exciting part about the scripture. 
I want us to really just browse through about two, two tenets of, of the priesthood, and that is the Levitical, or some people call it Levitical, whatever, the same word, Levitical priesthood and the priesthood of believers. Two tenets. The first one being the Levitical priesthood was that of Aaron and his sons. It was instituted by God, dictated by Moses, given to his brother Aaron. God chose one tribe amongst 12 other tribes and decided that that's the tribe that will lead these people into my presence. So this group of people were consecrated and they were schooled on the protocols. Like, you know, I've used that word over, and I've used that word over and over again tonight. The protocols of heaven. The protocols of proper worship. The protocols of handling God's sacrifices. And most importantly, how to access God's presence. How to access God's presence. So it's noteworthy that the priesthood of that's the Levitical priesthood, which is the priesthood of the Old Testament, and the new priesthood, that's the priesthood of our Lord Jesus, the priesthood of believers, of which you belong to. In the scripture, they came face to face once, in Matthew 26. And that was when Jesus was standing before Caiaphas. We know that scripture? Caiaphas was the high priest at the time. And Caiaphas was interrogating Jesus. But Jesus kept mute. And after a while, Caiaphas asked Jesus a distinct question. He wanted to know if Jesus was the son of God, the Messiah they were waiting for. And Jesus gave him the response that, <laughs> that he couldn't handle, as you have said it. And guess what Caiaphas did? Caiaphas, the Bible says Caiaphas rent his clothes. He tore his clothes in despair or in anger or in disgust, whatever you call it. But I want to point out something from that. When this earthly priest faced the heavenly priest, the earthly priest fell. Why did I say that? Please, can we put up Leviticus 21, verse 1? Leviticus 21, verse 10. Leviticus 21, verse 10. Please, if you could read it in the NLT. Okay, it's right there. It says, the high priest has the highest rank of all the priests. The anointing oil has been poured on his head, and he has been ordained to wear the priestly garments. He must never leave his hair uncombed or rent his clothing. So the moment Caiaphas rent his clothing, what Caiaphas was doing there was handing over to Jesus, the high priest, who superseded his own priesthood. Hallelujah. He didn't even know. He, he disqualified himself because this scripture tells us here that the high priest should not do that. And you know that God at that time wouldn't have taken that kind of... <laughs> what would have happened to Caiaphas if it was in the Old Testament? God smote people for lesser reasons. You can learn from the man that tried to steady the ark. Let's talk about the high priest renting his clothes. Praise the Lord. Now, the priesthood of believers. I want us to read our anchor scripture. Our anchor scripture for tonight is a scripture I really, really love. And for the past couple of days, I've just been chewing the scripture and it just excites me a lot. So, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. 
KJV. It's on your outline, though that's the ARV, easy to read, but I read the KJV, which actually brings out the emotion the most for me. It says, But ye, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. So if this is so, that means we are all, everyone sitting here, as far as you are born again, you've confessed and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a covenant priest. And the Bible says that you must hold fast to your profession. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Again, this is a, you know, tribe primarily, you know, is a Bible, is a, how do you call it, Bible study session, really. In God's Revival, you know, God's Revival are very flexible, so we do ours in different ways. So we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures tonight. The ones we can't look, I'll give it to you. You, you could do researches or, or study, home study, like I would do. So Hebrews 4.14, the KJV again saying, says, Seeing then that you have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hold fast to your profession. So where the Abrahamic or, sorry, pardon me, the Aaronic the, the or the Levitical priesthood dependent on an if. Jesus Christ satisfied that if. Again, the scripture tells us in Exodus 19, 5, verse 6, Exodus 19, 5, and 6, that now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar trouble, a peculiar treasure and unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation." These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So what the scriptures are saying to me is that God really wanted his people to all be priests. Israel to be a priest among all the nations. He, was, he wanted everyone to actually have an access. So where there was the if for those guys, Jesus Christ satisfied that if so that you and I can actually be priests today. Hallelujah. Now, priests of the Old Testament were born into Aaron's family, but the priests of the New Testament are born into Jesus' family. So they were priests by natural birth, but you are priests. We are priests by spiritual birth. Praise the Lord. And since the veil has been torn, you know, we know the scripture in Luke 23. Since the veil has been torn, the Bible says that, Luke 23, that the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst from top to bottom. What was in the temple? The Ark of the Covenant of God, inside the holies of holies, that made only the priests be able to access it, and remember, with the string, so that they will find out if it's still existing, who knows? Maybe when he entered into the presence of God, he had not, you know, he had been messing around thinking he could. He was hiding it for you and I, but he couldn't hide it before God. And when he got into God's presence, it gets whacked. So they, they tie that. But when Jesus had fulfilled the sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary, that veil was rent from top to bottom. Hallelujah. So for us to grasp, 
power of priesthood, we need to always remember that there's one high priest. His name is Jesus. And he's the constant mediator between God and man. So the Bible tells us again in Hebrews 7, verse 25, the NLT says, Therefore he's able once and forever to save those who come to God through him, he lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. I said we believe in a lot of scriptures. Again, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. It says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of us understands our weaknesses. For, we faced, for he faced all the same testings like we do today. Yet he did not sin. So for this reason, let us come boldly. Everybody say boldly. To the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and he will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So we have had a lot of good news. I'm sure we're excited about that. Right? If you're excited, shout hallelujah. It's about to get a little bit tricky. Brace yourself. Praise the Lord. Now, as priests, who we are, or who are we? Who are we? Remember, I want us to have this at the back of our mind. Jesus is the high priest. Everybody say, Jesus is the high priest, and he intercedes for me day and night. Okay, settled. But who are we? If Jesus is the high priest... And he's already interceding for you. Why does God still need a priest? So, I'm going to talk about the characters or the character of a priest. And the first character is that a priest is a worshiper. Everybody put your hands together for your love for the true worshipers. <laughs> Amazing worship. I just want to make you cry <laughs> and turn you to a baby. Worship is the priest's first and foremost occupation. The life of the priest starts and ends with worship. 1 Peter 2 verse 5, please, you can put it up on the screen, say amen. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that pleases God. So our worship is that spiritual sacrifice that pleases God. In the, whole, in the Old Testament, the high priest, remember, could only access the presence of God once a year. He could only get into the holies of holies once a year. But it pleases God that we, in the New Testament, the New Testament believers of priests, that we can access God anytime, every day. Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 22. Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 22. We're going to go in a little bit quickly now. And so, dear brothers and sisters, if we can boldly enter God's most holy presence because of the blood of Jesus, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the cutting into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, 
Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Hallelujah. So God is actually looking for true worshipers to access his presence daily, multiple times daily. The Bible tells us, even in John 4, 23, we know it's popular scriptures that God was saying to the woman that, yeah, I think the Samaritan woman, that he's looking for true worshipers. So God is not looking for busy Christians. God is not looking for hyperactive Christians. God is not looking for showing Christians or showy Christians. God is looking for true worshipers. That's what the Bible tells me. So God is not totally overly concerned about your, 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 your performance in church that people could see. God is more concerned about your perform, the performance of your heart that man cannot see. So true priests connect with him so that he would unleash all that he has in store for us. Praise the Lord. So the second character of a priest, a priest is an intercessor. As priests, we are called to be intercessors. We are called to emulate the office of the high priest of old and the office of the high priest of the New Testament. That's Jesus. Jesus lives to intercede on our behalf daily. First Timothy 2 verse 1, the Bible says that I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. I want to implore you, which is something that I do now, rather than complain about Nigeria every day, on your knees, on your knees is where you win that battle. I don't know about you, but the last three days has been crazy. I've been totally outrageous. A journey of 10 minutes from the house, even on a Sunday, takes one hour, 20 minutes. It doesn't make sense. You can complain all you want from today to thy kingdom come. Nothing changes until you begin to intercede. Intercession, yes, to God. You know what? You can even begin to intercede. Maybe you might know the local government chairman. You might, I don't know. I don't know who sites filling stations at roundabouts. I mean, that's town planning. That guy should actually fail. They should actually fail or be fired. That's no town planning. I mean, well, that's not what we're talking about tonight. Intercession. Because I'm already complaining. <laughs> so to intercede is to pray. Pray for others. It's a priestly service. Pray for others. Bear the body of another in prayer. It's a del- delicate task. But if you are determined, you can actually pray through. As for me, it's actually very, very refreshing to see when someone tells me about an issue and I join the person in prayer and the person comes back and says, you know what, that thing we're praying about, God, this, 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 this. It's always mind-blowing for me about you. Mind-blowing for me. I mean, sometimes it almost makes my head swell, but I realize that it's not about me. It's about God. But because the Bible says that when we agree concerning touching anything, it's done for us. So if you actually have the mind, the, the patience, the heart to pray through, it will always be refreshing when someone comes back and says, you know what, that thing we're praying for, we agreed concerning, the Lord has done it to the glory of his name. So I've learned again 
under tutelage that it's the responsibility of God to answer as a responsibility to pray. So back in the days, I would get upset when I join hands with someone or I pray for something with someone and it doesn't come to pass. But under proper tutelage and guidance, I've learned that I cannot determine the outcome. God alone determines the outcome. Hallelujah. So priests are also act bearers. What are act bearers? Those ones that will carry the ark of the Lord on their shoulder in the Old Testament. As for us, we are meant to be full embodiment of Christ. Full embodiment. We are meant to bear Christ, not just only symbolic on our shoulders, but we should bear Christ in our being. The, the, the ark is like a symbolic, a symbolic presence of God. It was a symbolic presence of God. So in this day and age, of course, we don't have the ark on, on the podium here. We don't have the ark in your house. But you're, you should be able to bear the ark in your home. You know? like I remember when we were going to start a live group in our own house. The, the illustration that Pastor used was about bearing the ark. In fact, what I even in every stage was bearing the ark in my home. Like, you know what? Because I carried God's presence in my house, I tied many things to it. And one of the things I tied is that I'm telling you this, maybe I believe everybody here is for God, so no one will try anything funny. So what I do is that once it's 5.50, I open up my gates in an area that is not as safe as VGC, as volatile as it gets. I open up my gates and I say, free for all, come in. You can never catch me do that on another day. But what I do is that I'm sort of challenging the act of God. I say, let anybody that is not for God or willing to come to God's presence try and access that gate. I believe that because the Bible says that the angels of the Lord encamp around us, I believe that those angels are waiting at the gate with flaming swords drawn. This is my faith. Don't try this at home. That's my faith. You know, God meets us at the point of our faith. So I say leave the gate open and we don't shut it. You know, life group used to be in 8 o'clock, but now it's about 7 o'clock. We don't shut it until 8, so it's pitch dark when we go shut it. But guess what? For five years, right? Till date, no one, apart from God's people, has walked through that gate. Hallelujah. Glory to be to Jesus. So we are to bear the ark of the presence of God. You will learn from Obedidom that the ark of the presence of God also brings favor. So much favor that the king will become jealous of you. The, 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 the priest of God will take the ark of the presence of God to battles. Once upon a time, they circled somewhere seven, seven times. And guess what? The, the city fell down because of the ark of the presence of God. And while you're bearing the ark of the presence of God, why not add some shouts to it? Blow your trumpets. And those walls will come down in Jesus' name. So the fourth character of a priest, we're going to go in real fast now, is that the priests are bearers of the burden of offense. What do I mean as the bearer of a burden of offense? They bear that offense that is called sin on behalf of others. A Levitical or Levitical priest of old, it pleases God when one man or a priest takes it upon himself to intercede for mercy through our heavenly priest, Jesus, who has made himself a propitiation, a sacrifice for your sin. Numbers 25 Verse 6 to 9. It says, Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent. This is the story of how God had broken out upon the camp of Israel with a plague. And then, one of the guys that was 
still purporting the evil, had the gods to still do more. And one man took upon himself to intercede. And this is what the man did. So he brought the chick into his tent right before the eyes of Moses and all the people. As everyone was weeping, his mates were crying for repentance. <laughs> At the entrance of the tabernacle, this guy still brought the chick inside. So when Phinehas, son of Eliezer, and the grandson of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he was enraged. He jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear, and he rushed after the man into his tent, and he thrust the man all the way through the man's body into the woman's stomach. So the plague against the Israelites was stopped but not before 24,000 people had died. There you see a burden bearer of offense. Of course, in some case, it's a little bit extreme. I'm not saying when your brothers are committing. <laughs> what you feel is evil. She can't take your kitchen knife and thrust. Don't kill people, please. That doesn't please God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we can see from other examples, like in John 2, verse 17, the, the disciples of Jesus, when they saw Jesus in action, they said that the zeal of the Lord consumes our master. I remember in Isaiah, this is what they were talking about, too, that the zeal of the Lord will consume those ones that are body bearers. So you actually see how Abraham also negotiated on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was bearing burden of offense for them. You can also borrow from Josiah. Josiah was a, a king at eight years old. And at 26, he found the scroll, or the scroll was brought to him that told him about the sins of his father and his forefathers, that his grandfather Manasseh was something else. What did Josiah do? Josiah rent his clothes and went before God. He wasn't the priest, he was the king. But remember, say priests are kings as well, princes, right? And he led the priests to atonement, and God delivered them. May that be your own testimony in your own household in Jesus' name. So you might even be here, maybe the generations before you, they have messed up like my generation before me. The generation before me, because of time, I'd have told you about the other kind of priests. You know, have you seen an Ifa priest before? Maybe because you're in Lagos. I come from Edo State. Have you seen Shango priests? They have braids upon their hair that stick together, so it's like a cap. It's like a cap. <laughs> scary people, <laughs> very scary, but not anymore. Not anymore. You can actually sit in the confines of your room and bring down that altar if you know what you are doing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Stephen also was a burden bearer. You, you read in Acts 7 that even before he was, a, was killed or why he was being killed, he was still praying for mercy. In Acts 7, he was praying for mercy for the people that were killing him. How many of us will do that? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Don't count this against them. They don't know what they are doing. And it's, it's instructive to know that while he was being killed, there was a man called Saul at the time. The Bible says that they will go put their coats at his feet. That's like an attestation. He's, he's the accreditor of the, of the stoners, so to speak. He was standing right there. And Stephen prayed that prayer. I want to assume, I want to believe that because Stephen said that prayer, that that prayer affected the most terrible of them, the one that leads them to killing people, Saul. That's my belief. And Saul became poor. And guess what? Saul did exploits mightily. 
could it be because God, um, um, Stephen prayed that God had mercy? Who knows if, if Stephen had said, God, you know what, punish these guys, especially that one that they're putting the coat on his leg. Who knows, maybe there would have been no soul and maybe the, the Bible, the New Testament, like you know it, would not, like you know it. I don't know. I just like to play with these things in my mind. Praise the Lord. And it helps you when you are very, what's the word now? Imaginative when it comes to God. So, Jesus, the high priest, why does God still need priests? What are the reasons for priests? What is the reason for a priesthood? The very first reason for a priesthood, please, is for the priests to shine as the light of the world. For the priests to shine as the light of the world. The Bible tells us Yeah, I have a lamp. The Bible tells us that you are the light of the world. Can someone please turn off this light? Can we knock this light off? You know, many times we don't, like I said, you need to be very imaginative. So if you are the light of the world, and I am the light of the world, the question is, what does light do? It shines, right? And when light shines, darkness cannot hide. Is there poverty in your area? Do thieves still break into people's homes in your area? Are there people still hungry at your junction? Are there Muslims in your community? Or maybe ISIS followers? <laughs> or maybe Boko Haram? Are there people that are here to know God in your area? In my area, it challenges me. Then how are you the light of the world? So this place is as dark, I believe, as it can get. This is a lamp. You can't see me right now. It's not a bright light. Can you see me now? This is what you are meant to be. This is what we are meant to be. The light of the world. You never really think about it until you imagine it. If you are the light of the world, I can see clearly now, I can see my notes, so I can see that man that's here to know God. I can see that one that is hungry. I can see that one that is homeless. I can see that one that is sick in the body. With this light, you can see all around you But if you are the light of the world and your light is and everything around you suffers. Praise the Lord. An unplugged cord is a state of inertia for a priest. A state of absolute inactivity. Happens when we are more about me 
my home, my children, my husband, my wife, my food, my car, my money, my job, my, my, my. At the beginning of the year, we're told that there is more in Christ. You are the light of the world. God needed priests to point to his holiness. Priests point to the holy nature of God and they take the world for him. Does that not sound like a vision? <laughs> I always say God's warehouse is very deliberate. <laughs> if you don't know, if you walk with Pastor Femi, then you begin to know that Pastor is very deliberate. Hallelujah. Even as God is very deliberate. In the beginning, God created light. That light has never failed. Did God look thousands of years later and see that in Nigeria you've been utmost darkness? Because guess what? There are some places in this nation that all the light they know is moonlight. That's all the light they know. Not like us that we have generators. That's all the light they know. They've never seen light. They don't know what light is about. So God needed priests to point to his holiness. Priests to point to the holy nature of God and to take the world for him. God's character is holy. Holiness is consistent with God's character. A lot of people love mercy, the goodness, the favor, the kindness of God. But when it comes to the holiness of God, they run. <laughs> but that is where it gets very tough. You don't want to come near the holiness of God lest you be consumed because you cannot come before the holiness of God with your flesh. It will consume it. So we like the part where we plead the blood of Jesus and we talk about the mercy of God. When it comes to his holiness, we flee. We want the presence of God, but we shy away from the presence of God. God knows what will be revealed. I remember that um, story Pastor always shares about the ship that got splashed with mud. What did the ship do? Went to the wall and kept on cleaning that stain. That's who we are and that's who we should be. Because God is holy and you can't go into his presence. It's built. So yes, you live in a world where stains, I mean mud will be splashed at you daily. I mean that is inevitable in the world we live now. But guess what you should do? You should be that ship. Find the nearest wall and scrub your body on it. Remember the second part of the illustration was the pig. You tell me the pig was just digesting, you know, yeah. Bringing the worms, you know. <laughs> the rotting cabbage. Oh, I love the mud. <laughs> May that not be your portion in Jesus' name. So John 13, verse 10, says, Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. That also speaks to Christianity today. The priests of the new age. Not all of us are clean. 
when all of us should be clean. And the good thing is that, do you know cleanness is actually contagious? Cleanness is contagious, just like sin is contagious. A controlled environment will condition you. Now, I had the privilege of going to China about seven years ago or eight years ago, eight or nine years ago, 2006. And when I went to China, the one thing I talk about China is that the environment conditions you. Right from the airport to your hotel, you are conditioned. They are like robots. So imagine if holiness conditions not just the church, but the whole nation or the continent. It conditions us. When you want to... I had had a snack because we were delayed at the airport. I had a snack. I came out from the airport with the snack back in my hand. I held it all the way to the hotel because I don't want never chat Don't join. I had to hold it all the way to the hotel. When I got to the hotel, the first thing I did was to put it in the bin. I kid you not. Because I saw the environment neat. Everywhere neat. The people. There was no way I was dropping that thing on the road. Especially when I can't understand what they are saying. i like you and I to make a confession. I want to say, Lord Jesus, by your grace, I will not bring shame and mockery to your gospel of truth. That's a daily prayer for me, and I pray you pray that prayer as well. Remember he said, that many are called, but a few are the chosen ones. So God needed, number three, God needed priests to serve his people. So the third reason why God needs priests is to serve God's people. We've learned in God's house over and over again that true leadership begins and ends with service. God showed us the way. Jesus rather showed us the way in John 13 when he washed the feet of his disciple. What true service was about. He was the greatest one in the room. Excuse me, pastor will say, what do you do when you realize all of a sudden that you are the greatest one in the room? You are the most important person in the room. What do you do? What do you do? You serve. That's what priests do. So when you are the greatest one in the room and you do this, you know that <laughs> there's something wrong with your priesthood. Number four. God needed priests to shepherd his people. God needed priests to shepherd his people. In Acts 20, verse 28, can you put that scripture up, please? The Bible says that we are God's flock, we are purchased with his own blood, as the blood of Jesus, over which the Holy Spirit was appointed to us as leaders. We are God's people, and we should shepherd the people that are still far from God to God. When priests fail in these duties, when they fail to shepherd people, guess what happens? The world gains the advantage. So when you and I fail to mentor or nurture the people around us, guess what? Someone else is waiting to nurture and mentor them for the world. When you fail to nurture or mentor your children, guess what? Someone else will mentor and nurture them for the world. They will seize the initiative to rule over the ones that we do not rule over. 
there's a constant war. There are no sidelines in that war. And I really don't think there's any recess period. It's a constant war. As a sheep of the good shepherd, we are to shepherd the non-believers into the church by living holy lives. I personally observe that nothing ministers to an unbeliever like action does. How do you minister to a woman that is 70 years old, does not understand your language, does not know what you're talking about, and you want to tell her about Jesus? Your life. If she sees the way you behave daily, maybe she's your landlord. Humble, prayerful, kind, loving, giving. One day, she will find a way to ask that, Oga, what makes you tick? That thing that makes you think, I want to know that thing. But guess what? When you are snobbish, rude, overbearing, critical, judgmental, angry, troublesome, (laughs) that woman don't want to know your God. (laughs) Because your God is a troublesome God. That God that cannot change you. Praise the Lord. So you might use fancy and eloquent words from now to forever. But a life that speaks would actually speak volumes. And speaking life drowns out the loudest of voices. A speaking life, a life that speaks, will drown out the loudest of voices, however negative that voice is. So we talked about priesthood, protocols of heaven, Jesus our high priest. The next thing we need to talk about is application of the priesthood our modern day. How do we apply the priesthood to our modern day? Number one, always, always choose God over every other and any other. Choose God first. This includes family. It's strange that when people don't have, they become the best priests. They pray to God. They petition him. Every day they're on their knees. That altar is burning. Every day. But guess what? For example, a man has been praying for a wife, and God gives him a wife and begins to tell God that the reason why I can't burn this altar is because of this wife. Or God gives him a child. The reason why I cannot burn this altar is because of this child. The child does not allow me. I get tired because of the child. Or a job. The reason why I cannot burn this altar is because of the job. You know, Eli learned a lesson even when he was messing with it, his children that he ought to have put straight, he was treating them with kid gloves. And God told him what he was going to do to him in 2 Samuel 2, 29 and 30. God told him that he was, I mean, long and short of it, I was going to kill you. Kill your children. Because I gave you a responsibility, but you messed it up. The Bible says in Matthew 19, 29, the New Living Translation, that Anyone that has given up houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. You must choose God as a priest. Number two, every priest must build and service your altar consistently. Not every now and then, consistently. You must tend to your altar, however ritualistic you might think it is. Tend to the altar. Just go to the altar and say, listen, I was told once, seven years ago or six years ago, when they told me, I lost, I just, six years ago, I just lost my brother, and they told me that I was next. 
that I was going to die. And one of the men, one of the people saying to me, told me then that, you know what, that is even shocked that my brother was not saying, no, bam up. I shocked him, no, boom, bam up. Ah, that kind of great man with that kind of money, no, bam up. Me, anytime I wake up in the morning, I fell knock my ego go for Oromila. Go, 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 go. <laughs> At that time, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't where I am now. I was, I was freaked out. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> so I'm dying. This is my story about Romila. Go, 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 go. <laughs> oh, God. In fact, that, that threw me to God. I can't tell you many things, but I can tell you that. I attacked the altar so badly that they would call me in the morning, first thing at 5.30 in the morning. So, guys, the ministry. I attacked that altar. I tell you, you know why? Because I was enraged. Maybe it was fear, but I had to fight for my life. Service your altar consistently. You don't know what you are battling. Service that altar. The Bible says in Leviticus 6, verse 12 and 13, I read some parts of 12. It says that the priests are to feed wood to the fire every morning. Arrange the burnt offering on the fire and offer the fat portions of the peace offering. The fire on the altar must burn continually. It must never be allowed to go out. Don't allow your fire go out. Don't start well and finish poorly. Don't say, you know what, because I think I have won the battles. I have not restrained from servicing my altar. I will continue to cry out to God as long as I have breath. Not that I know, I, I can tell you something. The man that talked about the Oromila, today if you see him and you see his wife, I don't, I'm not saying I was the one. The wife looks like a walking corpse. She has some strange, I don't know what to call them, all over her body. And the man is a persistent drunk. Who won? God won. Hallelujah. Service your altar. It, it serves as a, a symbol of never ceasing worship when you service your altar. And it's required of you by God. Number three, as a priest, your output must never be determined by your emotions. We learn from Leviticus 10 when God took out Aaron's sons for insolence, so to speak. He said to Moses, Aaron, shh. Aaron kept quiet. And next thing he told Aaron, you must not grieve. You won't cry. You rent your clothes. Aaron said, yes, sir. <laughs> this God. After killing the man's sons. And I remember one of our brothers shared some tribe sessions ago about a priest. How he had lost his wife and sick him to church. I mean, we're here in tribe, right? And still led the procession. And he said that the man, the man said that God said to him that he must not, he must go and do his work. And pastor said that that is A-levels. Honestly, that is A-levels. I cannot still wrap my head around it. But guess what? The Bible, from we learn as well, perhaps that man was, he, he knew about this scripture and was practicing biblical principles, but you must never allow your emotions overrule or undermine your outputs with God. Praise the Lord. Even Jesus, when John the Baptist was just beheaded, I think it's in Mark 4, when John the Baptist was just bearded, the Bible talked about how they came and they told Jesus. He just went to seclusion to try and pray, right? And guess what? People followed him there again. And guess what? He fed 5,000. They had just killed his cousin by chopping off his neck. Jesus did not allow his emotions. He did not allow his emotions to undermine his output. Praise the Lord. And may you never allow your emotions from this day forth 
undermine your output. God has entrusted his responsibility onto your hands. What will you do with that responsibility? Finally, as a priest, the mouth of a priest must guard knowledge. Always, always guard knowledge. The Bible says in Malachi 5, I read once from verse, Malachi 2, pardon me, I read from verse 5 to verse 8. The purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace and that it was I who gave them this required reverence from them, and they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. They passed on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous lives, and they turned many from lives of sin. The words of a priest's lips, the words of your lips, should preserve knowledge of God and should go, and should go to him for and people should go to him for instruction. For the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's army. Say amen. But you priests have left God's path. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. God forbid. You have corrupted the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord of heaven's armies. That's just so sad. You know, I've heard parents say to their children, now you know what? When they are fasting, if it's five days, why not do three days? Where as parents, we are too quick to want to rescue our children. We play God over their lives. Why not do three days? But you're looking so gaunt. You know what I always say to that? I say, you need to see my spiritual muscles right now. They're looking so gaunt. They're worried. And guess what? The parents are born again, saved. But they forget. They should be custodian of the word. But they forget. And they tell the child that, you hear a parent say, you know what? Your mates are marrying, oh. Ah, your mates are marrying. This church, holy, holy. We had, I mean, we had testimonies of someone, I mean, your, 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 your siblings or your folks are saying to you that, ah, this church, you are carrying your head. And guess what? They, are, they go to church, oh. Time is going, oh. If the man wants to test, it's not just test. After you get to find out if you can actually become a mother, God forbid. We are custodians. Jesus gave all of us an example to follow as priests. Give everyone an example to follow. The mouth of a priest must guard knowledge. Praise the Lord. So as priests, ultimately, there's one thing that Jesus did consistently all through the scriptures in his life, and that was act as a servant. Jesus always, always saved people. The Bible says in John 13 that he said that you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I am your Lord and teacher, I've washed your feet to watch each other's feet, pardon me. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Do as I have done. Because of time, I was going to draw a diagram. Maybe I should just quickly draw a diagram on the wall using this lamp as an illustration. So quickly, this is the lamp. Suffer me. 
slides. God of the Lamb. Dog of the Lamb. This is where the switch is. By the scripture. Okay. This is first Peter. Like we did, show forth the glory of God everywhere you are. Right? This is, okay, and that's the plug. This plug that supplies, I'll call this plug divine authority. Okay, I will call this vlog my priestly authority. I'll call this switch, okay, the principles, like we talked about, the protocols. Operation. That's righteousness. What else? I had this. I didn't show it to you. I'll call this mentorship. I'll call it knowledge gap. And call it cancel. This is a major role I have benefited from in my life. My pastor plays this role. I'll tell you why, real quickly. What's left? I said when this cord is not connected here, you are in a state of inertia. This guy doesn't really have a problem. Because it's made to shine. That lamp has no problem. It's made to shine. This cord in itself is never really problematic because the cord, the cord has all it takes. Your priestly authority. That cord. But the problem most times is that this, cord, this plug is not connected to divine authority and that's in God's kingdom. And most times, even when it's connected, right, this switch, the principles of consecration, is off. So you are not doing the things that consecrates you. You are still cheating, still in line, doing small, 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 while you, and you are saying, God sees my heart, I plead the blood of Jesus. It doesn't work that way, really. Sometimes, even when you are connected and this thing is plugged, guess what? Because you don't have the proper plug, and that's where mentorship, knowledge, and cancer comes in, you still cannot power up. Why do I say that? You might be doing, it might be the, the depth of your knowledge, the heights to which you know, 
You are connected. But guess what? You have not been groomed. So, yes, Jesus is the high priest, but you don't even know how to approach the high priest and demand what is rightfully yours. So he's plugged in. This guy is on. The switch is on. You're not in inertia, but you're not like the, the pastor that taught us two weeks ago. It's called your conversion rate is low. But if you connect this to this man, the people that God has put over you for oversight, your conversion rate will be a hundred percent. And that is what I am learning to do now. So when I put this in here, glory to Jesus, and I don't get my results, I connect it in here. Because you know what I found out? There is never shortage here. So the problem is with this aspect. Because this lamp, the light, the glory of God must shine. Hallelujah. So after all this is said, you may be here. And we've talked about priests. We've talked about the protocols. We've talked about the authority that we wield. But you can't even talk about being born into the body of Christ. You want to talk about enjoying the fruits of the priesthood. This is the part um, I know many people shy away from when it's time for a call like this. But I, I, I will say to you that tonight might, might be for a deliberate purpose. If you are here, and you don't know Jesus as your high priest, God brought you here for this reason, to hear, to hear these words. Or you are here and you are feigning like you know Jesus and he's your high priest, but you know that you have no conversion rates, you have no light to shine, your cord is not connected, you are in a total state of inertia. This also is your night. If you're online, you're joining us and you fall under these categories, I'm saying from the depth of my being that this is your night because you need to begin to leave your rights and your authority as a priest. All eyes closed and all hearts bowed, all heads bowed. I will ask you if you are any of those people to put up your hands to heaven. Raise up your hand to Jesus, not to any man, and take possession of your priesthood. Raise that hand up. You're not raising it to man. Raise the hand. It's, it's a hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you. It's a, it's, it's a hand raised to heaven in, in surrender, not to any man. You're raising it to God, not to man. Don't listen to me, I am just a donkey that the Lord is riding on to his glory. Raise that hand, take a card, and begin to cry to God. Don't bother about anybody. Just say to the God, to the Lord God of heaven and earth that tonight I claim my priesthood. I take back all that the enemy has stolen from me. I take it all back. 
If you are online, I believe the instructions are scrolling. Take back your authority. We took back our authority. Take back your own authority. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your children that are submitted to you, surrendered to you. We ask, Lord Jesus, the high priest, that the finished works upon the cross of Calvary take his toll upon his lives in Jesus' name. That beginning from tonight, they will begin to walk in their priestly authority, Father. In Jesus' glorious and unfailing name we are praying. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. I want us to do the commitment part and get it out of the way so that we can take questions. I hope you have questions. If you don't have questions, I, I will ask you a question. Okay. I'm going to say, Father, be on the screen. The commitment should be on the screen. I commit my life to you. Use it for your glory. It's a simple prayer, but very effective. In Jesus' name. So after you write it down, begin to speak to God about it, everyone. Commit to God's glory. Say to the Lord that from tonight, that your light will shine. That there will be no more darkness in your home, in your environment, in the church, the body of Christ. Your conversion rate will be 100% and even more. Father, in the name of Jesus, hear the cries of the heart of everyone that has truly prayed that prayer. Let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. Do we have any questions? I've short my time with 10 minutes, so please, let's take the questions. Do you have questions? Unless we have been thoroughly understood or thoroughly misplaced. <laughs> and I hope the, the converse is not the case. So do we have any questions? Priesthood. You know what? I have been saved. I consecrated. Stand and follow the protocols, but my, my conversion rate is still poor. Why? Do I have any kind of question? Even if I can't answer it, who knows? I'll note it down. I'll tell Pastor. He'll answer it for you next week. <laughs> but the, 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 the bottom line is we don't want to come here and spend one hour more and not understand and go back home like that. That's the, that's the essence. So, any questions? Okay. If there are no questions, God bless you. And I pray that from this day forward, you walk in the fullness of your priesthood in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Let's go, 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 let's go